Good afternoon. Welcome to reInvent 2016. Um, happy to have you all here. Glad everybody could make it from all the nether parts of the world and uh, come and join us here. Really excited about reInvent again this year. This is my fourth one. And I think over the years watching this has been, you know, it's, it's really cool to watch the things that AWS is doing. Yes. But far more importantly, and so much more interesting and fascinating for me, is really to see what our partners and our customers are building on top of AWS. And so I'm really looking forward to that, and I hope you are too. And I hope you really come away with, with that sense as well. My name is Chris Guile. I am a senior manager with our AWS uh, security assurance team. And I'm happy to be talking to you about our compliance programs in GovCloud, uh, what we call security assurance. I can think of no better way than to start reInvent talking about compliance and security assurance programs. I'm sure you will agree. I hope you look forward to it. Um, some of the programs I will, uh, I will dig into a little bit deeper than some of the others, maybe a light touch in some areas. Um, afterwards, I will absolutely be here on the side. I would love to entertain all kinds of questions, talk more about the programs, about the teams, services, get you uh, connected with the right folks. Uh, so please feel free to catch me uh, at the end and onto the side. Part of our team's responsibilities are operating uh, a, a litany of security assurance programs in GovCloud for some of our most highly regulated workloads uh, that our customers are operating today uh, across our federal, defense, state and local government, our law enforcement customer base, and that includes the customer agencies, our partners, ISVs in the AWS marketplace, authorizing officials, auditors, uh, you name it. Uh, that's our, our team's responsibility is operating these programs uh, throughout uh, all of AWS. And within GovCloud, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a region that was specifically designed and set up to support these highly regulated workloads. And the differentiator for GovCloud for us is that it is a physically and logically separate region from the rest of our, uh, from the rest of our regions. And the two key differentiators for our GovCloud region uh, are the support that we provide in our FIPS 142 compliant endpoints and our U.S. persons only support both physically and logically. So that's how and why we're able to use the region to support uh, export controlled type workloads, uh, ITAR, if our customers have ITAR designated uh, information workloads inside the region. GovCloud was set up and designed specifically for that purpose. A couple things to note, however, on top of that. One is how we implement those controls within AWS infrastructure. AWS does not carve out sections of our infrastructure and architecture and implement one set of customer-tailored controls in this area, a second set of controls in another environment, and yet another set of controls in another environment. We take the high-watermark approach across all of our regions, all of our services. So customers that are using AWS for, uh, with accounts for personal use are seeing the same back-end control implementation as our defense customers, as the federal government, and that's globally. So it's one of the things that I, I want to make sure we highlight is our philosophy around how we implement security within AWS. It is, uh, you know, job zero for us. It starts from the very onset on how our services are architected, and GovCloud specifically so for these highly regulated workloads. The second thing I wanted to note is something that uh, you may or may not have heard before from AWS, from partners, from uh, customers who are using AWS and are familiar with the term of the shared responsibility model. There are controls and requirements and security practices and disciplines that AWS owns wholly. 
primarily around physical, environmental controls, how we run and operate our data centers. The crown jewels is where your data resides. Those controls and the way we implement that, that is what AWS owns wholly. That is something our customers and auditors will look at as an inherited control. Unless, of course, customers have their own physical environments, then you will still have those controls. There are also controls that are shared controls. There are controls that we have to operate and implement within our infrastructure, access control, encryption, how we limit our roles and responsibilities, least privilege used, you know, all of those things that we have to operate inside of our environment are also equally apply in the customer's environment because it's how you operate and how you configure, how you use the services in AWS. Those controls still apply within, you, within the customer's environment as much as it does ours. And then there's a set of controls that specifically and solely the customer owns within their environment, depending upon the application, the service, how it's being run and operated, and um, any, any end customer agency type of requirements. So when we talk about shared responsibility, we want to be very clear as a, a core tenet to operating securely within AWS. Just because you look at AWS and you see the litany of certifications and authorizations, the things that we work really, really hard at to support you, our customers, doesn't mean that you can start an account, spin up some EC2 instances, start a database, and claim federal compliance or alignment and compliance with CGIS or DOD SRG requirements or even agency-specific requirements. Yes, we do a lot of work to maintain those programs, but when you operate those, in, those services inside of AWS, you have a joint responsibility for ensuring that you understand as a customer operating this, as an auditor reviewing this or assessing it, or as an agency authorizing official uh, reviewing this for an authorization, that there's still an applicability of controls and requirements and security practices that the customer has to implement that we do not implement on your behalf. Okay, So that is the shared responsibility model. But it is not simply like those requirements are simply dumped in your lap and we send you on your merry way. There are, of course, a, a multitude of resources and, and support that we provide through either our solutions architects, documentation, our resource center, uh, professional services. We have a tremendous ecosystem of ISVs and marketplace to provide all kinds of security-related services uh, and applications and utilities within the marketplace. We have, again, on the partner side, a tremendous number of uh, partners that uh, do managed services, do consulting, will work with you on how to architect for those kinds of requirements. So it's just one of those core tenets that we've got to cover up front as we start to talk through uh, these programs that we operate within our environment because it really is a relationship. It's a partnership. It's a joint engagement on how we ensure that it's not just our success in maintaining these programs. It is your success as a customer operating these kinds of workloads in these environments. We operate more than 2,000 controls within our infrastructure environment. And so we have you know, not just uh, public sector related or uh, very um, specific regulatory requirements in, uh, in the Gulf Cod region or US East and West. We have global programs that we operate. And so this is all also in the context of the programs that we operate uh, globally for all of our customers worldwide. But in operating those controls, you know, it is a tremendous amount of effort that just my team in handling these public sector programs goes through to maintain these, and we don't do it for the fun of it. We don't do it so we can put a, a, an emblem or a logo or a caption up on a, on a website and put our seal of approval and off we go. This is all in direct result and is a direct support to 
to our customer base having to run these workloads inside of these environments. So every bit that I talk through today with all of the, the programs and what you'll hear from uh, one of uh, uh, somebody we're going to invite to the stage to talk about uh, service and that they're operating in, in GovCloud is that these programs are a direct feedback from you, the customer. And so just up front, making sure that you understand and aware that we actively, aggressively, and willingly solicit your feedback on the programs, the resources that we provide, the kinds of services that are in scope with our different programs, uh, be it from the federal government down to education and, and healthcare and life science. So I just want to be very clear uh, with that up front. So with that, looking back, uh, 2016 has been a pretty busy year for us uh, as, a, as a security assurance team. Within, our, uh, within GovCloud, our team has been actively working with our business teams, uh, working with your account managers, working with the customers, working with all of the AWS service teams in, in the background, working with Veris Group, our third-party assessor for FedRAMP and, and DOD and others, uh, and then directly and indirectly working with customers, understanding what our needs were around some of these other programs. We knew there, were, there was a growing demand around uh, a FedRAMP high authorization or ability for, for AWS to support FedRAMP high workloads in, in the environment. Uh, it's probably been a couple of years now that we actually had a self-assessed alignment doc with the NIST 853 high impact control baseline. Uh, and as we uh, were engaging and working with customers and the agencies and, and seeing that demand signal grow and grow, we knew the FedRAMP uh, program management office uh, was tracking the same thing with customers. And so we were excited to be working with them when the uh, pilot and the program for FedRAMP high rolled out. And so we were uh, glad earlier this year to be one of three cloud service providers to be able to achieve the FedRAMP high authorization in our GovCloud region. So that was, a, that was a significant achievement for us. And again, it's all based on the demand signal from our customers needing to operate these most sensitive workloads in the federal government inside of GovCloud with FedRAMP High. If you look at the FedRAMP.gov website, right now you will see uh, 26 agency level authorizations. Uh, those are the ones that are openly uh, on uh, the FedRAMP.gov website. There are of course many, many more that uh, are either agency level or they don't run through us or the FedRAMP office to grant an authorization either on a specific application or a specific environment or service. So we know there are many more just based on, uh, you know, the thousand or so FedRAMP packages that we release uh, nearly on an annual basis. We also earlier this year achieved uh, the DOD IL, the impact level four authorization for the GovCloud region to support our more sensitive DOD uh, workloads within the GovCloud region. So we're happy to work on that. And then we were able to add a couple more services to our authorization boundary for FedRAMP on top of the five original services that, were, that really was the core of our FedRAMP program when I first started it uh, four years ago. So adding on to EC2, EBS, S3, VPC, and IAM, you can see there where we've actually added on now uh, a couple more services um, to in, into our scope at the FedRAMP uh, moderate level, primarily throughout GovCloud and, and East-West. So when looking at our FedRAMP program, uh, just a little bit more, again, this is probably our most significant uh, program that we operate for our public sector customer base. Uh, GovCloud, because we operate this at FedRAMP high, it takes uh, a lot more 
uh, control implementation and documentation of resources on our end because we know that there's a lot more to uh, demonstrate and assure to our customers having to operate these more sensitive workloads in AWS. So we uh, work very hard on this program, work with, a lot with our 3PO. Uh, we work with the FedRAMP office. We work with the JAB, the Joint Authorization Board representatives, uh, to ensure that um, our control alignment implementation, everything is crystal clear in terms of how we operate our FedRAMP program internally. And it's not just to enough, again, to just get the authorization for our customers. There are uh, different resources that we provide for our customers to ensure that you're successful in operating these FedRAMP environments as well. Uh, so there are three different FedRAMP packages that we release and operate, or, or we, um, we have documented and released to uh, you, our customers. The first one being our federal package. That is the full-blown 17-doc package that we uh, includes the security plan, uh, the assessment report, any plans of actions, any you know work, uh, action items that we have left to do on our side working with them. That's the full package that goes directly to the federal agency authorizing official who's going to look at AWS and grant either an agency-wide authorization or a specific authorization for AWS. Then there is a state and local government package that we release for state and local government institutions, uh, some of the public uh, education institutions. We're seeing a lot more uh, growth, and increasingly states are leveraging the NIST 853 control baseline as the basis for their security programs and their security manuals uh, for implementing security within state-level government institutions and their IT systems. So we have a package specifically for uh, supporting our partners who are working with state and local government institutions. And then finally, more directly to the partners and the ISVs and those that are directly working services off of AWS, as a partner, we have a package for you as a partner. Of note, within that package, it doesn't have like the security plan in full. It doesn't have the assessment report in full because that's what goes for an authorization with the government. But what we do provide centrally in that package is a security plan template. And in that template, we've already pre-populated those controls that you inherit from AWS. So you don't have to try and go back and, and figure it out, nor does any agency authorizing review or assessor have to go back and talk to AWS and, and see how they documented it, because it's the same control language that's in our SSP uh, for those requirements. And then the rest of the document is open for you to uh, make sure that you understand the applicability for the controls for your environment, and you document how you have architected those requirements environment as it applies to your application or solution. So that's a central doc to our, our partner package that we release directly to you from AWS. All three of those are provided directly to you as our customers. Our defense program is something that we have had again for a couple years as we've watched the DOD community migrate through a couple different regimes of programs going from uh, way back to DITSCAP to the DIACAP to uh, now moving into the RMF, and they had uh, the cloud security model, CSM, and it had levels one through five. Uh, and at the time, we were the only cloud service provider to actually hold a cloud security model level five authorization for the GovCloud region uh, until it was superseded uh, by the new Cloud Computing Security Requirements Guide, or the SRG, with levels two, four, and five. GovCloud holds four. We've addressed all the technical security requirements uh, for IL-5 and, and what's required there, but we're actively working with the authorizing officials within the Defense Department 
uh, to wrap up uh, the, remainder, the remainder of the requirements that we're in discussions with them to achieve our IL-5 and be done with that. We know, again, that's another one of those customer demand signals around the more sensitive workloads within the Defense Department. And so uh, my teams are actively working on this with DISA, with uh, the CIO offices across uh, the DOD. So our, our IL-4 program is one that we've uh, kind of, again, matured through the different regimes and programs to ensure that we're supporting our customers in those uh, more regulated environments. It is also the basis for supporting customers who have requirements around uh, controlled unclassified information and NIST 800-171. Now, NIST 800-171 is a subset of controls that apply to uh, contractors and, and service providers operating with the Defense Department who are now subject to uh, these new controls. Uh, they're not directly related to or subjected to AWS, but because they're a subset of the uh, the SRG controls and the FedRAMP controls is something we've already addressed anyway, but we have um, plenty of uh, support and resources there to help you. We have questions around 800 and those, um, those control and requirements and how to architect for them. So again, these are the programs that we support uh, directly as a result of our customers. And now I would like to uh, ask Dwayne Sugars to come up, who's the COO of Enlightened IT Consulting, who uh, will talk to you a little bit about how they're using GovCloud and what their services is operating on top of GovCloud for DoD IL-4 workloads. Dwayne. All right, well, thanks, uh, Chris. First of all, um, I'd like to thank uh, Chris and his team for helping us over the last four years of really educating our customers to really what it means to be an Amazon GovCloud. Um, we've been building a big data platform for cyber defense for about four years for DOD. Um, we were the first accredited um, DOD um, big data platform on-prem for DISA back in 2013. So what did, that, what did that mean? And this slide will have context by the time I'm finished my next seven minutes, I hope. Um, so we started this process back in 2012 of building this big platform of about 52 different open source products all integrated around and all be able to be deployed with an on-prem environment inside of DISA and one of their decks. And that actually did pretty well for the first year and a half, two years. We started getting these demand signals from our customers both in DOD and IC saying, what about this commercial cloud thing? We need to be able to figure out better ways, especially in cyber defense, things are moving at such a fast pace. How do we actually deploy things more rapidly? How do we scale more rapidly? How do we get away from this building huge deck facilities across the globe in order to support these things? So in 2014, we took all that goodness, all that open source goodness that we built for DOD, and we built some fairly interesting, cool technology to deploy it in Amazon GovCloud. And what does that mean? We had an accredited platform. We took all those components, basically, um, as they stood, put some really cool stuff around it, then now we can actually deploy that very quickly inside Amazon GovCloud on any number of nodes, one, five, 200, 300, 400 at scale. So why is that important? Because for the government um, to understand, one, how easy it is to work within Amazon GovCloud, to um, how easy it is to deploy something that usually would take a day or two to deploy on hardware, um, how quickly they could actually deploy this capability inside Amazon GovCloud. What we know is in order for people to adopt both the platform that we've built for DOD as well as adopt Amazon, there's a couple of things we have to do. We have to educate the customer on what it really means to be an Amazon GovCloud. Everyone believes off-prem means insecure or not secure or unsecure, any of those, those things. And what we had to do with Chris's team over the last three years is educate them on the fact that in Amazon GovCloud, based upon all the controls that they've built as well as the controls we built on top, 
around this platform I'm talking about, that it's actually more secure, I'll say this lightly, more secure than some of the actual government networks on the, the Nipper side. Um, having said that, the other thing that we had to prove is that we could deploy capabilities faster in Amazon GovCloud than on-prem. And so what we're able to do is take two of our mission partners, um, we'll, we'll keep them nameless for now, and actually very quickly deploy this big data platform in Amazon GovCloud, um, do this, this amazing level of optimization and test over a two-week process where we deployed 20, uh, 50, 100, 200 nodes to actually test this environment at scale on their data sets, running analytics and queries in a way that they could actually prove that this thing could actually keep pace with the, the needs of cyber. If any, if any of you are in the cyber space, you know that we're talking about huge volumes of data, the four Vs, volume, velocity, uh, veracity. Anybody know the last four? Come on. Yeah, there you go. So the point is, in order to deal with that kind of um, volume of data, the variety of data, we had to actually prove and be able to prove to the government that this platform could scale. They weren't willing to give us 100 and 200 nodes of hardware to do testing and optimization. So we sort of convinced them through this, this education process that doing this in Amazon was a good thing. So we were able to do that and actually that spike that you see is the ability for us to deploy at scale, do optimization and performance testing at 20, 50, 100 and 200 nodes and we were able to increase the performance ingest rates from 100, whatever that is, 115 records a second all the way to the right, or 31,000 records a second to 722,000 records a second. And that doesn't maybe sound a lot for everybody, but the reality is we're talking about 3.4 gigabytes per second ingest. And how do we get to do that? We could have never done that if we were working in our little development environment of 50 nodes or 20 nodes that we had. We were able to deploy this rapidly in Amazon, show them the ability to sort of optimize our platform, and that gave them the confidence to know that now they could actually not only take the development test and validation into Amazon, but we have multiple customers within DOD and IC actually operating out of GovCloud today. So you're talking about them being able to do DevOps, um, deploying capabilities to, against cy active cyber defense because the data is being ingested into Amazon GovCloud through an encrypted connection, and the ability for their data scientists to deploy rapidly on top of this, on top of this platform and ba basically scale at will. They were 20 nodes for some period of time. They went up to 50 nodes. They're now to 100 nodes. They know that what that costs them. They know if they have to go up to 200 for a week, two weeks, we can do it. And that flexibility has given our customer the confidence that Amazon is actually a good place to be. The education that Chris's team has given um, us to give to our customer has proven, and they've accepted the level of risk that being in Amazon, at least perceptually, um, gives them. And so I think what we've been able to do working with Chris's team over the last four years is um, migrate that notion of the only place to be is on-prem to saying that you can be off-prem and still be secure. And so I think that might be my eight minutes. I wasn't keeping track, but um, is that good? Great. All right. Cool. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, some really cool stuff uh, Dwayne and Alighton and, and uh, other partners are doing on top of AWS, being able to demonstrate the kinds of uh, scale that they're able to roll out in support of our customers. One of the other areas that we recognized and responded to some feedback at the beginning of this year uh, within our law enforcement community, we are absolutely dedicated to supporting our law enforcement customers, both at the agency level, our partners, customers with the end goal of uh, secure networks for some of these more sensitive law enforcement 
uh, environments that are operating uh, on the cloud in AWS. And so the feedback that we, we took and we recognized was we need to be much more visible, visibly supporting our law enforcement customers uh, that are operating these workloads on AWS. And so we really took it to heart. We really ramped up and the teams uh, really kicked into gear uh, taking a look at the CDS requirements uh, that we'd been already working with for the last two plus years when we rolled out uh, a CGIS workbook two and a half years ago now. We already mapped all the control and requirements within the criminal justice information services security policy. There's about 131 or so uh, controls across the, the families. And we mapped them to all of our programs uh, within FedRAMP and the DOD to show how we align it, already address and deal with these requirements. Uh, but it, in working with our customers uh, in being that much more visible partner and supporting it much more empirically with documentation and resources, uh, we started the program to absolutely support the signing of security agreements with state-level authorizing officials, conducting and operating our fingerprint background check programs for those applicable within our environment, and our online CDS awareness training requirements in support of state-level requirements. And so we've had announcements going out uh, over this past uh, you know, 10, 11 months now. We have six states that we've signed agreements with, and we have many more that are actively in progress right now working uh, with AWS, working with our partners. And there are others that are working on these uh, CGIS workloads uh, in AWS for other uh, customers in the law enforcement community. This one is a little bit of a different approach because there is no centralized uh, assessment standard. There's no centralized uh, auditing pool of accreditors. Uh, there's no single uh, authorizing official for what is deemed as CGIS compliant. That level of discretion and risk acceptance is held at every single authorizing official within the United States. So you can imagine from the state to local to county, tribal, you've got all these authorizing officials that can determine what is or isn't CGIS compliant. And so we really took a look and started working with our partners to demonstrate the actual viability of uh, these CGIS workloads that we'd already been addressing and, and supporting customers with in a much more open manner with these signed security agreements, uh, very open with uh, what our our alignment and assessments are for the requirements. And so we have a CGIS white paper that's already out there that explains this program and, and this background and, and how uh, customers can come to uh, support and uh, become CGIS compliant for their workloads supporting law enforcement uh, agencies in the US. Uh, but more importantly is a CGIS security workbook that we provide directly to you. It's downloaded right off of our compliance website. It is much in the same manner as our security template for FedRAMP. We already go through and we document all the controls that apply to AWS. All the areas where we've already documented our alignment with those requirements and the controls. And we also walk through and provide some suggestions and some guidance around, these are the things you need to take a look at. These are uh, you know, some of the services in AWS uh, that you want to consider and take a look at and addressing requirements around uh, FIPS, around encryption, around access management and secure configurations for your servers. That workbook year-to-date has been downloaded almost 1,100 times now. So we know it's a viable offering that's out there. Uh, we're very excited about what we're going to be doing in 2017. Uh, we've been working really hard, again, with the business teams, uh, with our customers, uh, the likes of uh, Motorola, uh, Taser, Mark 43. There's all these uh, service providers out there operating these uh, tremendously fascinating programs and applications uh, supporting a wide litany of law enforcement needs from evidence and, and video, uh, you know, body camera video evidence uh, to uh, documentation, citations, all kinds of things. You can think of what 
the cloud can support within the law enforcement community. Our CGIS program is, is the foundation that supports our partners building those kinds of applications uh, to support uh, our, our law enforcement agencies. So again, we've already signed six security agreements across the U.S. Uh, we have many more that are actively in the pipeline right now working in support of our law enforcement uh, officials. So again, another one of these programs where uh, we've, um, we were already doing work in the background, working this program in support of our customer needs. And then uh, based on feedback and some needs that were a little more clear for us, uh, we really uh, ramped up how we support CGIS and uh, have, have really gotten a lot more visible about how we, how we run these programs. Elsewhere in AWS GovCloud, uh, you know, we support a lot of, um, at the local or the state and local government level, we have a lot of education customers out there. And so when you think about what the universities, what the secondary schools, primary schools, any education institution that has to operate student records and all these IT systems that's having to protect uh, students' personally identifiable information or your PII, uh, GovCloud, again, is that region to support these kind of highly regulated workloads as customers have requirements around um, FERPA, which is the Family Educational Rights Privacy Act. Uh, it really goes into uh, you know, detail at a programmatic level of, of the requirements that education institutions and organizations and service providers have to take into consideration and account for, obligated for, and protecting student data and student records uh, to whom they can provision access to these records for uh, viewing, how they make notification. Um, GovCloud is that environment uh, where we support those kinds of customers building out uh, for ed education technology as well as education institutions in support of our education uh, customer base. Another one of those programs where our, our federant program really becomes a critical component of it is supporting our financial services. And this is, again, you think of the likes of FINRA and the SEC at the agency level, but also uh, any, any customer, any partner, any service provider, any agency that has to operate these more sensitive workloads from a financial services perspective that have SOX requirements. Um, but more specifically here, we have a lot of uh, questions around the IRS Pub 1075. So we want to highlight the requirements that are found in there. Um, and how we've addressed it and uh, what we provide for you in terms of how you can be successful when you have IRS Pub 1075 requirements levied against you. So there are these uh, primary responsibilities uh, in, in the publication there that we've gone through and delineated out responsibility. So again, it com comes back to that shared responsibility model uh, tenant. And so when you look through the mandatory federal tax information requirements when using the cloud, uh, you can see right up front, there is a mandatory requirement to make notification uh, that you are going to use cloud for uh, supporting FTI workloads. That clearly is a customer requirement. That is not something we're going to make notification to the government on your behalf. This is something that we're, if you're going to use cloud and where you're going to use GovCloud, that's just one of the requirements right up front in the, in the publication. You've got to make notification. And as you go through the rest of the tenants in these primary, these, um, absolute requirements, prerequisites for using cloud. You can see data isolation, your service level agreements, encryption, transit at rest, deletion, the risk assessments, and the security control implementation. You can see where we've already identified where we have obligations on our end, and likewise where you as a, um, as a customer, as a partner, as an agency or an assessor, 
uh, you've got a responsibility too, alongside with AWS, to ensure that you, you can be successful and operate secure FTI-type workloads within AWS. So AWS Gov Cloud absolutely supports Pub 1075 requirements where you have an obligation uh, for them in the cloud. Another sector that, again, our federal program uh, is a backstop for, and uh, increasingly there's, there's a lot more branching out in our programs for our healthcare and life sciences uh, vertical. So we've had a HIPAA program for some time, and we have been signing business associate agreements. So that is that relationship, that formal contractual relationship that AWS has with our partners and customers who are operating uh, these uh, HIPAA and healthcare workloads inside of AWS, uh, AWS GovCloud. Uh, we've been doing that for some time, and now we're starting to get into uh, more of the manufacturing side and supporting customers who are having to deal with clinical trials for GXP-type programs. And so GovCloud is, is supporting Region 4, our most sensitive and regulated healthcare and life science workloads. So we've got customers like the Bristol Myers Squids and Philips and Siemens who are running massive data analytics in support of uh, clinical trials and reducing the time uh, to complete these trials to move uh, their products uh, into the market that much sooner. But again, this is another one of those programs where we're supporting it from a HIPAA and the BAA and the GXP programs and to the program manager on our team, Chris Waller, who manages this, uh, he's probably one of the most customer-obsessed people uh, that I know as he uh, works very diligently in his program space with the business uh, account owners and directly with our customers to support uh, these very sensitive healthcare-related uh, workloads. So again, here's another one as a direct result of customer demand. Customer needs to operate these kinds of workloads, leveraging the value and the security of the cloud. This is a program we operate uh, in support of our customers. So when you think through information, all of these services, and you think about the different security requirements, uh, when you think through encryption and the types of services that are available through the marketplace or our partners in AWS, uh, it's important to note that you do have that uh, spectrum of resources available to you from a security perspective. As you're able to architect and build compliant solutions across this, in, this, this continuum, of regulatory requirements, uh, you know, when you think of uh, access and identity and access management, you've got the AWS IAM platform, which is already an extremely uh, powerful service that gives you such granular control of access management for your uh, GovCloud environment. Uh, when you think about encryption and the sensitivity around uh, maintaining uh, protection of your private key, we have KMS and Cloud HSM. Services that are uh, provisioned for you to manage your own private key that AWS does not access. It's a secure key management tool that you have. So um, you can always definitely leverage AWS for server-side encryption where we will manage key generation rotation. But you have services like KMS and like Cloud HSM that are available for you to uh, right within your cloud environment to manage your own private key. Uh, you know... There are a tremendous amount of organic services uh, within AWS, CloudTrail for managing your logging and monitoring, and how you can port that straight into services like a Splunk or an Arc site or any other log aggregation monitoring type uh, tools. On top of the organic services and, and features that AWS already has, again, it comes to our, our partner base that are building out uh, additional applications and, and services and managed services on top of AWS uh, to address these uh, more critical workloads. And then again, as I mentioned earlier, the AWS Marketplace, where we have 
uh, a tremendous ecosystem of ISVs who are building uh, applications, utilities on top of AWS. On top of that, you have solutions architects who will sit down, work with you. They will review your architectural solutions. Uh, it's a service that is just available for you uh, with your accounts as you can reach out to your, your account reps that will go through and work with you on technical solutioning of, of these kinds of workloads to ensure that you're most successful. And then again, we have AWS professional services. So I mentioned a bunch of services in there that you may be sitting wondering, well, those are great services. Those are things we need to be able to use in these environments, uh, KMS being one, CloudTrail being another. There's other services that I know our customers are really wanting to use uh, inside of the AWS environment that uh, you know customers may uh, wisely and, and rightly tell us, that's great, but they're not inside of your veteran program. They're not inside of your DOD program. And it's really becoming a bit of a showstopper and a blocker for us. And so, as I said earlier on, 2016 has been super busy for a year for us, uh, for our teams. And I know my teams are really in love with me, uh, but when it came to FedRAMP and DOD, on top of all the other security assessments uh, that uh, my team, Doug Mortensen, is managing all of our security assessments internally, and B and her team are managing all of our external audits, uh, on top of all of that, we really just came to the realization that um, you know, working with our customers and hearing a demand signal and realizing that we were having uh, some blockers when it came to developing some more robust solutions on top of AWS that uh, the core set of services that we had in scope just are, are not enough. And we never intend for that to remain static. But I, I think, you know, introspectively looking at, you know, we're probably a little too static in some of our services that are being in scope. And so we're really pushing the teams this year uh, for our service teams, tremendous amount of work in the, in the background, our, my assessment teams, uh, our, our 3PAO, various group doing our audits and assessments, uh, and then working directly with customers and making sure that we heard their voice and what was most needed uh, within environments. Uh, I'm really happy to put up on the wall in front of you the services that we're bringing into scope uh, coming up next. This is more than double the initial tranche of services we even brought through initially with FedRAMP. We have 12 new services going through assessment right now. They're either done with their assessments uh, and awaiting ATO or are done with assessments and we're getting ready to push over for an authorization review. 10 of those 12 services are in GovCloud. And every service that we put through the FedRAMP authorization process going forward will be from the start FedRAMP high. So those 10 services, the three that are already completed their assessments and are right now sitting with the joint authorization board uh, for provisional authorization at the FedRAMP high level, you've got RDS Postgres, CloudTrail, CloudWatch logs. The other seven remaining services in, in GovCloud that we are wrapping up the assessment, getting ready to push for authorization review, KMS, Redshift, we're upgrading to high, Glacier, we're getting it to high, CloudFormation, SNS, SQS, SWF. Those are the 10 GovCloud services we're pushing through at the FedRAMP high level. And then two more that we're bringing into scope at the FedRAMP moderate level is our Kinesis Streams and RDS Aurora. But this, is, this has been probably the bigger achievement this year for our teams in, in getting these services ready, really in response to uh, some of our customer needs. Um, you know, we've been working a lot with Socrata and the needs that they were working on in supporting uh, the development of their applications inside of our environment. Uh, we've heard from many others. We've certainly heard it through even our 3PL or hearing it from our, our customers and agencies. So really happy to announce uh, the update on where we're at with our increased volume 
of our services that are in scope for our FedRAMP program as well as our DOD program too, as it'll flow right into our DOD IO uh, program for the GovCloud region. So again, in summation, all those requirements, all the services, all the controls implement is absolutely a direct result of the feedback that we get from you. Uh, so when you look at uh, our website and you look at the links that we provide, more importantly, the email address that's up there, awscompliance at amazon.com, that is a direct line to our team. You, yes, you absolutely have your account reps. You can reach out to uh, your business team directly, your solutions architects, your technical account manager, whatever resources you've got available to you to engage and interact and work with AWS. You also have this lifeline to the, our security assurance team. We, again, solicit, we actively want your feedback on what's most important to you from a resource, from a compliance program, from a service that's inside of our compliance programs that exist today. Everything that we do is a direct result of, of your needs and how you're able to be successful with your business objectives, your mission objectives, everything you operate within these extremely highly regulated environments inside of AWS. Um, we only want to ensure your success, because as I said in the beginning, yes, there's a lot of things that we do that are pretty cool on the inside. There's a lot of fun uh, that I, I love coming to work and seeing what, what's next and what's new for AWS. But far more important than that, it's far more fascinating is what's being built on top of AWS, things that we, would, we were never even anticipating. Super excited, uh, ready, hopefully you feel the same thing, looking forward to the rest of reInvent to see what else is gonna come. Um, if there's any questions, I am more than happy to talk uh, offline. I'll be here all week. I know we're doing another session on this tomorrow. Uh, I've got folks from our team our director of risk and compliance, my boss, he is here. One of our other directors, uh, she is here this week as well. We've got several folks from our team. If I can't answer your questions, I will absolutely broker you up with the right person, making sure you've got the, the information that you need before you leave reInvent this week. So please actively seek me out. I look forward to talking with you. Thanks again for coming. I'm uh, really excited about reInvent. Hope you are too, and uh, looking forward to it. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>